Jami Woods. Um, I live in, I'm born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, in Churchill. Um, you know, you come up, came up in a single parent home. Thank God for my mother and my grandmother um, who stepped in to, to try to do the best they can to raise um, an adult and to raise a male. Um, I end up, you know, I, I, I like to be transparent. I guess sometimes I, I can be a little too transparent, but I think sometimes when I, I know going to prison and sharing my story, a lot of times men and women come back in and they, they want to talk about the milestones. They never talk about the ups and downs, the things you have to push through to get to um, those milestones or whatever success is to them. So I learned that, you know, people want to hear about how did you push through those tough times? How did you get over hurdles and obstacles in life? You know, when it's pressure on your finances, pressure on your health, pressure in relationships, um, the pressure that comes with multiple responsibilities. How did you get through that and get to where you are now? You know, so I consider myself a pioneer. Um, one who goes before and prepared the way for others. And then, you know, so God allowed me to go back into prison and be, and be a picture of hope or a blueprint of hope to people incarcerated. Um, I ended up doing 26 years in prison. I went in at 18 and came out at 43. Um, I had a violent crime, um, a number of violent crimes. Um, I had a 60-year sentence. Um, I ended up doing 26 years, almost, well, over half, no, I, up, I had six years sentence, but I got I had like ten years of spending, something like that. But you know, I went to prison as a male, uh, emotionally unstable, um, immature, impressionable. I had a problem with rejection, insecurities, and as a child, I, I didn't know these things. I didn't know why I was behaving, acting the way I did. You know, I didn't know I was trying to get acceptance and recognition and approval from people around me, but, you know, knowing now that those are things that should be um, developed in a child when they're at home um, with their parents or guardian or whoever the caretaker is. But when you come from a family also that's dysfunctional and they have the same issues and problems, they can't give to you what they don't have. And my dad, you know, I learned as I got older and started asking some, some of the elders in my family about my dad. I wanted to know exactly you know, why my dad was the way he was towards me and towards my mom. My dad used to beat my mother. I beat her for like two years, and she finally left, you know, left with me. And, um, and as I grew up, it's a natural desire to still want to be like your dad. I think God designed it that way, to want to be like your parents, whether, they, whether it's good or bad. Now, I'm not saying God wants you to be like them because they're bad, but it's a desire to want to be like your dad. Um but my dad was in the street, and I, um, you know, I didn't understand why he was never a dad to me. We was more like brothers. So when I used to get in trouble, I started stealing cars, and um, when I would get locked up in juvenile, my dad would tell me what to tell my grandma, how to lie to her, you know, how to get out of it, those type of things. So, you know, when I look back with my life, I said, well, dad, I wonder why my dad was never a dad to me. And... Come to find out my dad never knew his dad. Never knew his dad. Um, he was mad with my, my grandmother, mad with women because he blamed my grandmother for him not knowing his dad. Um, come to find out his dad was an alcoholic. So the older two siblings, they, you know, my, my two uh, older aunts, they knew their dad. But my dad didn't. So my dad was very angry and upset behind it. And um, 
I don't know exactly what he was experiencing, but I know he's very angry. Took it out on my mom for a couple of years. So can you can you understand that when a a a, a child is, is born to a, a person who's been rejected, physically abused, and mentally abused, emotionally abused, she has she's afraid. So all that stuff goes into the child. So now I'm born with these same um, defects, so to speak, rejection, fear, and anger. Because I grew up very angry kid. Um, I stayed in stuff all the time, not knowing why. So now I learned something while I was in prison. It's four things, emotional, psychological things that should be developing a child. One is acceptance, you know, knowing that I'm, um, I'm well loved and I'm needed. Um, identity, knowing I'm individually significant and special. Security, knowing I'm well provided for and protected. And then I got purpose, purpose. No, I'm, not, I'm just not existing. There's a reason that I'm here. If these areas aren't, de- aren't developed in that child, then there are voids there. And so the child grows up trying to fill those voids. He's going, he'll go somewhere to try to get those voids filled. Well, for me, I went outside the home to the streets, and that's what the enemy wanted, to go out there and get this false identity, false security, false acceptance, and this false purpose in the streets. So I will behave and do things to get recognition from my peers. Uh, peer pressure. Most kids go through this. Um, I had a problem with rejection, as I said earlier, but I did not know this until I got him into prison. And that's where I really started going to school and learning things about myself and my, my makeup and my, things about my family. Um, so eventually, in, during my incarceration, I got locked up in 1991. Um, still wild, still, you know, thinking like the streets, thinking like a criminal, acting like a criminal. It took me eight years of incarceration to finally realize that, man, I got to do something different. This, 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 I'm getting older now. I'm getting older. You know, the, the old heads tell you when you go to prison that eventually uh, the girl, she's going to stop coming, the money going to get slack, uh, the mail going to slow up, and all those things started to happen. And, you know, guys going home, whatever time, they had short time. But most of the guys that was around, they had a lot of time to do. Young guys, all of us young, 18, 19, 20. Nobody think talking about going home. Everybody talking about time, how to do time. Canteen, gambling, you know, drink, whatever was going on in prison, that was most people's focus. That's the flow of prison, what's going on in the prison. Nobody's focusing on going home. How do I live in society? How do I succeed on the outside? You know, how do I be a better father, a better man? You know, those type of things. How do I go out there and be a businessman, contribute to my community? Nobody talk, was talking about that, especially in my circle. You know, um, people was taking one day, one day at a time and living for the moment in prison. So, and, and none of that, I, I was sharing with Jackie, I didn't have a, a man image. I didn't know what a man was. And you can't define, you can't fulfill what you can't define. So I couldn't define what a man was to you. I had no definition what a man was. And God designed us to see things, to go by what we see, image, pictures. So I needed somebody around me to show me how a man is supposed to act. You know, I was a male, I thought I was a man, but I was a male, which is a big difference. And a lot of people incarcerated, are males who think they're men. And if I finally got to the point where I got, I told Jackie the other day, I got, I got 15 parole turned down. So I went on parole after eight years and six months. 
And I got 15th rule. I had to make the rules in 2017. I started growing up in 1999. And um, I always got turned down for rule for the serious nature of the crime or crimes committed, those type of things. So it was never based on my behavior in prison. It was always based on the crime I committed, which never changes, right? So one of my parole interviews, I um, was very upset, very disappointed, because parole, going in a parole interview is, is very, can be very disappointing, but you can get your expectations up so high that you think you got a good interview, like going for a job. I think it's a good interview, da 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 And it's not even, the interviewer does not make the decision. The parole board members you never see, they make the final decision whether to release you or not. Well, I don't know if it was my third or fourth parole turn down, but I was very disappointed. I had to tell my family again that I was not coming home this year. And um, I was talking to one of the psychologists, and I, you know, I said, well, I don't even know why I'm taking these programs and classes. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, they're not giving me parole. And she said, well, you're not taking the programs and classes to make parole. You take them because you, you, you want to be a better person. So that, that was thought-provoking for me, and it made me think, like, man, she's right. I need to be focusing on my self-development, changing my thinking, and dealing with the deficits that I have. So when I go home, I won't go home the way I came in prison, which is immature, unstable emotionally, impressionable. I can go home a man understanding that I'm responsible for my actions. I'm accountable for what I do. And not only that, I'm, I'm to be a pro-social thinker, you know, not to be antisocial anymore, be reactionary, but now I can think on my feet, think things through, weigh my options, and realize that, no, this bad decisions don't just affect me, it affects others around me. Bad decisions are like a ripple effect. You throw a rock in the river, that it's a ripple effect. It affects everything that's around it. And so I, I start understanding those things about decisions. Um, so after that, my journey was I, I got I to change. I got to do something different. Now, I, was born, I got saved in prison. I wasn't a Christian in the street. My grandmother was a pastor. Most of my dad's side of the family was saved. Now, this is no knock or judgment against them. They were saved but not living like Christians. So <clears throat> this creates a problem as well because on Sundays, everybody went to church. And now that that, you, you when he knew he was a Christian, like they told you he was Christian. And I thank God that's changed now. But back then, that's how, you know, what I saw. So when I came to prison, I saw the same thing. People who were, who were Christians, but they were not living like Christians, according to the Word of God. Go to church, to the chapel, come back in the buildings, was no difference. So <clears throat> I had nothing to really challenge me or deter me to, 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 or nothing to look to that I could look to and get an example of what a Christian was. But I wanted to. I really wanted to know how do I, how do I live like a Christian? How do I be a Christian? And, you know, God hear your heart. And he sent me um, a, a man named Randy White. And um, we was in the cafeteria, and the guy came to me and just started talking to me. I'm like, man, you don't do this in prison. I got up and walked away. This guy followed me, followed me down the um, boulevard. If I've been in prison, you know, they call the, the walkway the boulevard. So the guy followed me and told me, do you, read, do you read books outside the Bible, like, you know, reference books? And I was like, no, I don't read about the Bible. And, um, and eventually, to make a long story short with that part, he went to become a good friend. He actually became my spiritual father. And he, that was the beginning of my, of my man training 
that was the beginning of me learning how to be Christ-like and develop some, some character, um, some integrity about myself. And I started dealing with my thinking and started thinking in line with the Word. And he was the first person that just showed me how to meditate the Word of God, you know, how to pray in the Spirit, how to pray. You know, he started doing those things with me. And then dealing with the other aspect of, of the, emotion, my, the emotion development. Because sometimes as Christians, we only, we, we, number one, you, you're supposed to deal with your spiritual development first. But God made us three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. You're a spirit, you, have a, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. So we're, we're, we're um, responsible to, 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 um, to, tra- to have training in all those areas, not just my spirit, man, but also my thinking, my emotions, my decision-making, and my physical body. We're responsible to be good stewards over that. So he started teaching me uh, or showing me um, what a healthy person was. Now, he grew up in a two-parent home, his mother and father. He watched his dad. He saw how his dad treated his mother. His dad would kiss all the sons on the forehead, hug them. And my man, that was foreign. My dad never did that to me. Or kiss him on the forehead as a kid, hug me, told me he loved me. I never experienced that. So I didn't understand, and that was foreign to me, and I really resisted it. So when he would try to hug me, I was like, man, no, I don't do that. Now, if my, my, a, a woman hugged me, yeah. But I would not let no man hug me. Now, we might do a pound and a bear hug. But other than that, that was it. You know, that was... You know, a street thing, or you know, but he he was trying to show me something different. So in the visitation room, I noticed it's, it's all three of his sons. It's both his sons were grown. When they went to the visitation room, he'll hug his sons and kiss them on the forehead. I'm like, man, that's crazy. And he said, listen, the 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 the, the result of that is they somehow grew up healthy in my emotion. He said, I, was, I became mature in my emotions and how to express my feelings to my wife or to my children, to other people. So it didn't, it didn't affect his relationship in a negative way. Where with me, I was hardened. You know, I was hardened. I, I, speak, you, I speak when I want to speak. If you speak to me, I wouldn't speak back. If I didn't feel like speaking, man, my, my emotion was all messed up. And this brother kept working on it, working on it, working on it, working on it. And eventually I got a breakthrough in that particular area where I started expressing my, I knew how to express my feelings and, and start expressing what I was thinking, you know. <clears throat> so then um, God sent me another man, and this guy named Donnell Phillips. And this is when he started training me about dealing with a lust problem, um, things can affect your relationships, um, fasting, um, a, 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 another dimension of, of, of spiritual principles, um, understanding what my call is, how to listen from the inside out, how to know how God leads you, you know, um, discernment, picking up things, understanding, spiritual things. Um, he started teaching me in those particular things um, how to um, distinguish between the voice of God, your own superheated imagination, and the voice of the enemy. He started teaching me those things, um, how to teach the Word of God, different ways to teach, um, how to study the Word of God, um, those particular things. And then things like what's your preference, what you like, what type of woman you like, what you're looking for. He started having those conversations with me, um, things like gossiping and backbiting and slandering, those things he was training me on, you know, as far as biblical, what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And getting that foundation of of the word first, putting God first, and um, 
and I was so grateful for that training. It was difficult training because, you know, when you've been living and conditioned to live from the outside in and go by what you see, hear, feel, taste, by, by those five physical senses, it's difficult to start learning how to be led by the Spirit. It was a very difficult process of, of, of learning how to, to get into the Word, get that foundation, and then knowing that God don't say nothing outside of that covenant. That the nature of God is when you see Jesus, you see God. That's him. That's how he, that's how he um, the same way he, the, 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 the God dealt with or, or related to Jesus, treated Jesus, is the same way he treat us because we're sons and daughters of God. I had to learn that. I had to learn how to separate my experience from what the word says. So if my experience was different than what the word says, then that was on me. That was the word doesn't change. So he was teaching me all those particular things. He said, man, God don't never lie. God don't fail. So if, any, if there's any fear in your life, it ain't him. He don't fail, so you got to look at yourself to see where you messed up at. Because every Christian failure is a prayer failure. So I had to start. He's teaching me all these. I'm like, okay. Man, I had a religious training. So that was good for me because I'm just being taught straight up. No religious training. had nothing to unlearn or be untaught, untaught in. Now, um, I ended up going to five, six prisons, and um, afterwards, you know, we, I ended up getting transferred. And this is when I started learning more about God, right, as far as it was almost like he went, I went through a training period. That was my season. I did 15 years at Southampton in a sale environment. And then I got, um, I was asked to transfer to another prison to help with a program. And it's called, in Virginia, have what they call cognitive communities. They're 24-hour intense reentry programs for like for six months. Um, and I was asked to go there to start one for males. Now, this is in prison. Now, much, this is the favor of God in a prison setting, similar to Joseph and Daniel. And my ministry is, 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 um, is similar to Joseph and Daniel. Right? Even though they didn't do anything wrong, I was guilty for what I did. But I repented. And God started training me, da da da. Now I still had to, you know, pay for the what I the crimes I did um, in prison. So um, I ended up getting transferred. No, 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 I'm wrong. I resisted. I didn't want to get transferred because I was in a comfort zone. And a comfort zone is good, but you can't grow. You can't grow in a comfort zone. You can't grow staying in the boat. People got mad at Peter and part of laughed and ridiculed, but Peter got out that boat. He did get out. Nobody else got out. He got out the boat. So I didn't want to get out the boat. I was comfortable. I had a good job. And think, prison can cripple you in this sense. They, if they see you, you ain't getting enough and you're working, you're doing what you're supposed to do, they allow you to do stuff. As long as you ain't, being honest, you ain't killing nobody, you ain't into no sexual stuff, um, selling drugs, whatever, they will allow you to, to stay there as long as you do what you're supposed to as far as your job is concerned, which was crippling for me. Because I wasn't really being challenged. I wasn't learning how to troubleshoot. I wasn't learning how to problem solve. I wasn't learning those basic communication skills, um, social skills, learning none of those things. And I become institutionalized to a certain degree. Why couldn't he, I didn't know how to communicate with my family at one time. My language was only that of what we talk about in prison. And I used to feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm going to backtrack for a minute. I used to feel uncomfortable in the visitation room I was about 10 years. I started feeling uncomfortable. I'm like, man, why? Why well, I feel funny? 
So I told my family when I said, look, I need, I need, I'm, I'm through. I'm going back. They were like, okay. When I get back into the shakedown area where they sh- shake you down, you get, put, get your clothes and stuff back on, I felt all right. I go right back in the prison. I'm good. I go back to the building, getting ready for wreck. And I was like, no, something wrong. Something is wrong. So, again, I had to start to, to every day to fight to maintain my identity. And that's what my mentor told me. He said, man, maintain or fight your identity every day. He said, don't, don't, be, don't conform to the prison. He said, look around you. He said, look how everybody come in the kitchen. They follow this line. He said, that's a routine that they develop every day for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. He said, they become like the prison. And he said, man, no, you got to fight it every day. So I started fighting it every day. And thank God for the word and for um, ministries through television at that time and through uh, cassette tapes at that time and books that I was able to curtail as much as possible. Um, to fast forward again, um, I resisted getting transferred. I didn't want to go again. I was in a comfort zone. And, um, you know, God will make you uncomfortable because he wants you to grow. God wants fruit to be produced, so he wants, God to, he wants to prune and remove um, those dead areas so you can grow more and grow more and grow more and be more effective for the kingdom and be more of an influence to people, more of a light to people. And well, I didn't understand it at that time. I wanted to stay where I was because I was comfortable. And this lady kept coming. Every time she saw me, you ready to get transferred? I was like, no, I'm going to make parole and go home. She was like, what if you get turned down? I don't get, get turned down. Now, something I learned about us as Christians, your spirit will pick up things, whether right, or, whether right or wrong. Something is about to happen to prepare you. I didn't know this. But I, I knew when I was going to get turned down on parole, but I kept resisting it. I don't get a turn on parole. In my spirit, I knew it. My spirit members just let me know, look, you've got to get a parole turned down. And I would never accept it. But it happened. I'm like, Dad, I knew I was going to get turned down on parole. So I got turned on again. And I went and told um, Ms. Lee, this is the lady that kept um, asking me to delete, to get transferred. So I told her, I said, well, I'm ready to, I said, I'm going to get transferred. I said, I'm ready to go. So she was like, she was so excited. So when I left, I went upstairs to the personal property area where I help out at. And I sensed this shift in the spirit. I could see, I could see in the spirit, it was a shift, like a shift just happened when I, just, I cooperated with the plan of God. And when I told my mentor, he was like, yeah. He said, man, God, do me the same way. He said, when your season is finished, he said, he will move me. When this, when this season was over, he'll move me to another prison. He said, either you go there, you there to learn something or you there to teach something. It's a preparation time. So I was like, yeah, I was so excited. And then I heard this in my spirit. The Lord said, he said, find the will of God. You found it. Confirm the more flesh and blood. Get your job done at all costs. That's the three things he told me. And then he said, I want you to go to that program for one year. Now, I thought I was going there to give some instructions and some training. When I got there, no, that was for me because being in a cell environment, I never was in a dormitory. So when I got there in a dormitory and everybody was everywhere looking at each other, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. So I had a decision to make. Do I go back to what's comfortable? Or do I push through and I learn what I need to learn and grow up and, and, and move into whatever God has for me in this next season? So it took me two weeks to make a decision. Now, the difference between conforming and transformation is conforming is I know how to navigate. 
I know how to do stuff wrong and not get caught. I know how to finesse the system. And I was still doing this as a, as a Christian. I wasn't transforming and changing from the inside out because the word of God says for us to um, not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that's transformation. That's metamorpho, going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And that's, you, that you, you can't rush that process of change. So I had to make a decision to go through that change period. I decided to go ahead and push through it. And it was very hurtful. It, it was hurting. But I was, what I was happening to me was I was coming face-to-face with the me. How, how am I going to respond when negative stuff happens, when, the, when the, the homeboys or the homegirls come back around, you know, and they want to see if you're uh, this, 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 this different person that they heard about? Even after 15 years, okay, we hear it, but we knew, we, knew, we knew you as you were. So we hear all this other stuff about you changing, but we want to see it. Well, how is Johnny going to respond? You know, so I started learning. I got upset, angry, mad about them taking my stuff from me that I, I wasn't supposed to have. And I realized at that moment, Johnny, you ain't ready to go home. You ain't ready. You still need some time to, to get it together, man, and let God work on you. And so I ended up, that was 2007. I stayed there for, for one year, went to another prison for four years, and went to another prison for five years, and all of this was training time. I grew up in prison. Prison was a school to me. Prison saved my life, and I tell people this all the time, that prison saved my life. I had to get set down. If I did not, I died in the streets and went to hell. So I thank God for those. My grandmother prayed with me. All the hell I took her through, she stood there with me. Even people I don't know who prayed for me. So I'm a product of those prayers. Um, so I made parole in 2017. I was a mentor in prison for maybe eight, uh, no, probably about four or five years. I started mentoring other men um, while I was incarcerated. Um, I founded the church God wanted me to be a part of while I was in prison. I started tabbing to the church while I was in prison. Um, I started getting connected to the ministries that God wanted me to get connected to. I, I learned that too. He'll connect you to the ministries he wants you to be a part of. He'll place you in the right church home because that's your, that's your, your blessing place. That's where you, your, your corporate anointing is, the corporate vision is. Um, the Bible says he places you where, he, where, where, he pleases, where it pleases him. So I learned I don't just choose a church. He chooses the church for me, and he will make sure I get to that particular church that he's put me, placed me in. Um, so... You know, all my, I mean, so much more to the story, so much more intric, intricate parts to it and detailed parts to it, but, you know, not to go too long, I became a man in prison, which is unusual because a lot of people come out of prison the same way. After five years, six years, some after 10 years, some after 20 years, some people come out and come right back, but I was just determined that I didn't want to come back to prison. I hated prison. I hated somebody to tell him what to do every day, make your bed up, put your a name tag on, calling me a number. I can't use the bathroom, take a shower, get on the phone. I can't go eat. I can't go to medical. You can't go to canteen. You can't go to rec. Somebody got to tell you what to do, when to do, open door for you. And to me, as, a, as, a, as I was becoming a man, I didn't like that. Men are natural territorial, and I didn't like nobody to keep telling me what to do over and over again. So I said, okay. What I need to do is become responsible, a responsible individual. 
and it's something I learned is called self-initiated pursuit. You ain't got to tell me what to do. I'm going to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do, and I'm going to do it the right way. So I learned, that's something I learned in prison. No, mature people are consistent people. They're reliable people, and they, they can be dependent upon. So when the officer come around to the pod, my stuff already straight. Officer going about his or her business. But that became a pattern and a habit for me to start doing what's right, doing what's right, doing what's right, because it's the right thing to do. So there's some things I learned in prison. I was able to come home, you know, and give back to my family, you know, give back to my community. Um, and think about this. I had a, a jacket and told my business anyway. I had a, um, a murder charge and an armed robbery charge. Um, I got a job with the Virginia Department of Corrections, the same agency that held me for 26 years. They ended up hiring me after two years as a reentry specialist. I never thought about that, but God was preparing me and training me to go back into the prisons um, for him, like a Joseph and a Daniel, with the blessing to bring change to an environment. Because this I learned, God wants things done his way. The church is responsible for the condition of this world, the condition of this nation, the condition of our our cities and our homes. God is not holding nobody else accountable but us because he's given us his son, his name, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, his spirit, angels. We have everything at our disposals to change and rearrange this planet, the same way Jesus did when he was in the earth. All authority has been given to us now to bring change wherever we go. And I learned that we're responsible, not the government is not responsible to change people. The government is not responsible. We're responsible to govern the government. We're responsible to pray and get God involved. We're responsible to use our authority in his name to change this earth and to push back the devil and to advance the kingdom. That's our responsibility. I've learned all those things while I was incarcerated, while I had to sit down. And now the Lord said, when you go into the world, John, you're not going to fail. It's a scripture he gave me, John 16, in the Amplified Version. Jesus said, in me, you have peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation, test, pressure, and, and distress. He said, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Be undaunted. Be certain. I've conquered it for you. I've deprived the world of its power to hurt, harm you, and make you fail. He said, when you go into the world, you're not going to fail. You're not going to fail. I've deprived the world of power to hurt you. So I had to learn that God operates by his word. He don't go outside his word. If he said it, he's going to back it up. Simple as that. It's the only guarantee we have in this world is the word of God. That's it. God has proven his word. Jesus proved the word. Paul proved it. Peter proved it. All the men and women of God proved the word of God. We, we have an awesome opportunity. Nobody has ever been, well, I'm not going to say that. We have an awesome opportunity to usher in the greatest, uh, uh, um, harvest of souls that the, the, the world has seen in the time that we live in. We're built for this time. You wouldn't be here if you wasn't. You're equipped for this time. You're anointed for this time. You're graced for this time. Everything that's going on in the world right now, we're equipped for this particular time. The body of Christ, the church, that's who God is working through. Not the world. Don't get mad at the world. Don't get mad at government. No, we're responsible to change and rearrange things. Right now, I'm going to say this, I'm going to close. We've got a lot of vacancies in the Department of Corrections, a lot of vacancies in the food industry, a lot of vacancies 
all throughout different um, jobs. This is the perfect time to pray in the people that God has chosen for those positions, for the takeover. Perfect time for us to pray for government, to get God's people into the position of authority. The Bible said when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. We've got to get the wicked out and get the righteous. People he's chosen the point to go in there and bear fruit in those positions and that it remain there. The perfect time for us to pray those people into those positions. The food service, entertainment, music, government, uh, correction. Get God's people in there that's anointed for those positions. Has his, they have his mind for those positions to bring change for the kingdom. This is the perfect time for us to do that. So I hope my story, my journey to independence um, has helped someone, give someone hope if they have any loved ones incarcerated. Um, you know, and God, hope. Everybody wants hope. Everybody in prison wants hope. When I go into prison and go in with a suit on and then the men I did time with, they see me, it's like they light up. And I'm so grateful to be to go back in there and minister and share my story with them. And they, you know, they're like, man, you came back. Because everybody wants hope. Everybody want to know, man, is, can it get better? Can I, can I make it when I get out of prison? You know, I don't want to go out there and can't get a job and I got to survive and do what I got to do. Because preservation kicks in and people are going to survive. Whether they got to hurt somebody or not just so they can make it and end up back in prison. So, no, we, you know, one of my assignments is to go in there and, and to be able to give them that hope and give them encouragement and empower them and say, no, you ain't, no, you ain't, no, you can change. You, you can do different. I don't preach at them. The something the Lord taught me. Don't preach at them. You share with them biblical principles. The same way Jesus used parables. Everyday life stories where you can illustrate those biblical principles that get their attention. Because people want to see difference. They want to see success. They want to see something. They don't care about the talk. They want to see something different, and that's what attracts people. We're the ones. We're the ones that God is going to use to, dis- to bring the world to him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're the Jesus that God is sending out there. And to whatever sphere of influence that you're called to, you're Jesus in those particular areas. So anyway, I, I thank God for my story. Thank God for you know, the opportunity to be able to share with you all. So any questions at this time? Hello? Jackie? so much for your transparency and telling your story. This brother, y'all, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to open up the lines for those of you who have any questions, but it's something funny. I grew up with Jeremy. Um, we grew up together. I've known him since I was a kid. And when he got locked up, everybody, he was such a nerd back in the day in school. And we thought that because he was hanging around to do Bucky, that that is why, you know, that he got in trouble. So for for years, I always felt sorry for him because I thought he he got, you know, he was locked up, but he didn't deserve to get locked up. And it's so funny because when he got out of jail and I found out that he was out, I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad. 
you know, that you got caught up in that and you didn't even do it. And he was like, what you mean? I didn't do it. I was like, I, I know you. He's like, oh, he's like, no, he's like, no, I, uh, I did it. I was like, what? Like, literally all these years, I was thinking that he was falsely accused or something. But I'm just so grateful for you and um, just so grateful and so thankful for God and for the man that you have become. And if you and talk about how God can change somebody around. God is real, y'all. We talking to a man who committed murder and listen to that listen to this man speak. Look, listen to him listen to him speak. Transformation happens, change happens. I'm gonna open up the line right now. If anybody have any questions, just um state your name and um feel free to ask our brother any questions that you may have. And again, Jamie, thank you so much for being a part of our um, special guest Saturday, and thank you for your transparency. Thank you for your transparency. Uh, one moment, guys. Thank you. Leave out. Okay, I'm sorry. We're on the whole line, Gary. Say good morning. Good morning, Brother Jamie Jackie. This is my brother, Gary. He's got to go, but I wanted him to hear uh, the little part that he did here, and if you just to say good morning, Gary, he he spent a little time. He knows a little bit about that. So who, who? Uh, want you? I'm so sorry. I have to put you on hold real quick. Uh-oh. Who spent a little time? Get, uh, wait a minute, Gary. You're on the whole line here. <laughs> okay. Well, good morning, and if you got to go, you can go. But if you have a question, good, you can. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to my brother. I love, I love the word. I love morning, the word. Good morning. Good morning, Gary. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning to you, everyone. sister soldier. <laughs> Yo, that was a wonderful word, man. Praise the Lord, man. Mm-hmm. I've been. Oh, I've been there for twenty-two years. Mm. Okay. Okay. And I can understand what you're talking about. Yes, sir. I know a lot of brothers that I I knew it was in the prison. You had the Muslims and the Christians. Yes, sir. And a lot of the Muslims used to try to convert me over. Yeah. But I said I would never go against God. Yeah. And a lot of the brothers in there, they came out and they did good for themselves. The Christian brothers that came out, they did good. They never went back. They started a good life. And I heard that in your story, man. I heard that in in your words. Yes, sir. I, I've seen people. I've seen it done. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I just want to thank you for letting me hear that. Because you just opened my eyes this morning. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. And I really appreciate you, brother. I, uh, please keep on, keep on doing what you're doing, man. Thank you, man. That's the look. That, that's the plan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. I'm Gary, and you are. I'm Jamie. Brother Jamie. 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 Yes, sir. 
But Jamie, Jamie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Pleased to meet you. All right. Y'all take care now. All right, Gary. I love you. Okay. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Love y'all too. Okay. Wow. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Thank you, Brother Jamie. Thank you, Brother Jamie, for that awesome story. You know, you are a vision of hope. You are what we as parents and grandparents hope for, for our children, for our men that are incarcerated. You are a living example of um, what the expectation is for somebody, a man, (laughs) a man, someone that was incarcerated and had that mindset that they cannot change. And I thank you. I thank you for your story. Um, I heard so much, you know, this, 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 again, piggyback on top of a uh, conversation that we had going on last week, um, how do we help our children that were incarcerated? How do we help the men in our lives that was incarcerated? And I speak from a grandmother's standpoint who's, who's dealing with someone that was incarcerated. He's out now. But I got so much out of what you said. that is no need of me asking you what to do or how to do it, but just listen. And the most important thing you said was being a vision of hope. The most important thing you gave me was to understand that although I want certain things for my grandson and I want to beat him over the head, I must continue to do what I'm doing, first of all, be that praying grandmother, but um, understand his mindset. And, and see, my thing is, as a parent, you don't want to see your kids just stay stuck in that place. So... For me, um, when I when I expressed and, and reached out and asked for prayer, the first thing I said was, help me to help him. And in that process, you know, I had to come to grips with finding peace and just knowing that, you know, if, if, I, if I have the right words to say, if I just, and that's what I was looking for, but you gave me all of that in your story. Again, you reiterated what was already spoken into existence. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to pray for my grandson, for my son, for all the males and my, I mean, the males, period, they're struggling out here in the world. This is not just mine. It's somebody else's too. But um, being that vision of hope and, and understanding that, you know, for so long, women have this theory, like, I can't raise a man, I can't raise a boy. But most men are raised by single parents. So I'm yes, not going yes, I'm not going to ride on that theory. But just know that as a single parent, as a, as a grandmother, that I can continue to pray and I can continue even that. You can, for me, I just want to lead this boy into a direction and show him that, man, if you change your mindset, you can do some things. You can be great at what you do. And I, I can't wait for your book to come out. <laughs> I, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to reiterate it. And I'm going to try to live that so I can be an example to him. I just want to thank you. Thank, well, thank you. you. That was beautiful. Yes, sir, Sister Soldier. Yes, sir. Good morning, Brother Jamin. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. First of all, good morning. Good morning, family. I just want to say, uh, first of all, that uh, thank you for being transparent. Thank you for sharing your story because you know, once you know, you know just as much as I know that once you're a Christian, it ain't your story no more. It's your story that God has given you to be able to bless somebody else with it. 
And yes. for us to be blessed, for us to be blessed who have never been to prison. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm so impressed with your story. Not because of how I feel about your story, because for me to be impressed about your story is good, but I've never been to prison. But yes. for someone right after you talk, God to bring you confirmation for somebody who's been through prison to be impressed by your story. That meant something to me. Yes. Because, you know, yes. like I said, I've yes. been a free man all my life. I can't understand what you went through. But for another man to be incarcerated, to be impressed by your story, that meant something to me, brother. You just keep going with your door. Just, I can't wait for you. The book to come out. You know, I got you, bro. And just, just be encouraged. Just keep walking that line because... The race is not over. This is a marathon. Being being a Christian is a marathon. A lot of a lot of Christians have sprinted right. and left the race. No, this is a marathon. And I'm, I'm just thank you for just, just taking the time and just keep on running, bro. God got you. Thank keep you, on running. I appreciate that. Lord is good. All right, family. Is there anyone else who has a question for the brother? I got a question. First of all, um, this is Andrew, by the way. Uh, love hearing you speak. No, I appreciate it. Everything about what you said. Um, you got a lot of wisdom. And I just really like listening to you talk. But um, I had a question about the dude who, I can't remember his name. I think he became the spiritual father. And you said that he was loved on, and he was kissed, and he was hugged, and he was affirmed. Um, why do you think he ended up going to prison? Or, or not, you know what I mean? Walking in, in the right path. Oh, you, oh, you said you said um, why do I think he ended up going to prison? Yeah. Oh, he um, he uh uh, uh he 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 uh, he was saved on the street. He was a Christian, but he well, I think he ended up get, he he's a different dad with new age. Right, and he because he mm-hmm. told me the story. He started messing with New Age, and you know, New Age does things without Christ. They use principle, biblical principles, they, they, but they do like put Jesus to the side from what he was telling me. I didn't know about New Age until that time. So he told me, and he would use that um, New Age to have sex with women, and um, I, and he was married at the time. So eventually, um, something something happened, man. He ended up getting locked up. For it. I forgot how much time. He did about 10, 10, 11 years behind it. But being a you know, backsliding while he was out there and got into some stuff and him coming to prison. Gotcha. I mean, I, I understand the right, the right just fall seven times. I'm, I wasn't trying to imply. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I just wanted to know if it, if it had anything like. Because it, it's tough as a parent. You're like, man, I want to make sure I'm affirming my kids, making sure they know their love, teaching them about purpose and identity. But then it's like, yeah, they could still, they could still um, just make mistakes, you know what I mean, and wind up in prison. It's unfortunate. I, I, this, this is what I knew when I was growing up, right? My grandma, my grandmother, um, my dad, me and my dad looked just alike, exactly alike. And my dad did seven years in prison. And my grandma, you know, when I was born, my grandma didn't want me to be around him, so she tried to, she took custody of me, and I, I, and my grandma, man, she had a second chance with me. She felt, she felt she failed my dad, so mm. she took me in and try, you know, tried to raise me the best she could, right? And um, every morning when I come in the house, three, four o'clock in the morning, 
Man, my grandma in there praying, bro. Man, she in there praying. I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm hot. I'm trying to sleep, man. She in there praying, praying. I used to do this every morning. I'm like, man, what, man, what is she doing? I'm trying to go to sleep. She had all night to do that. But anyway, you know, when I got in trouble, when I when I when I got in trouble this time for the for the for the murder, you know, the first thing I did, I said, Lord. All of a sudden, now I won't call on Lord. I said, Lord, if you give me all of this, I give my life to you. Again, I'm playing games, right? I'm trying to get out of this because as a juvenile. I could wiggle a little bit, but now this is a whole different ballgame now. I just turned 18. This is different. The Lord didn't let me out. I didn't get out. But he, he, he separated the part of me giving my life to him. That was the beginning. And I always remembered, that was my, I believe that my grandma's prayers was consistent praying for me, and the seed was planted that eventually, you know, even though I got in trouble, and I went to the Lord based on, for the wrong reasons, Eventually, the seed took root, you know, and um, I ended up, you know, going to prison for a long time. But I, I needed it, man. I needed to get set down. I needed it. So my grandma passed before I got home. That was very hurt because I wanted to get back out, you know, kind of give back to her. And um, she ended up going to heaven in um, 2005. And um, all I wanted, I was like, Lord, all I wanted, you know, is my. Do she know I'm okay? And I sensed this, this, um, this warmth. Came over me, and I just, I just knew that yeah, you know, your grandma, knew you, she know you good, she know you good. So, I thank God for for grandmothers, you know, grandmothers and grandmothers. Yes. yes. And I think you're helping a lot of grandmothers right now. You're helping a yes. lot of grandmothers because as I, I said once before, when these young men, they uh, a lot of young people, not just men, they get in prison. No matter how many friends and girlfriends or whatever you got, when you're in prison, it's usually your grandmother or mother that mm-hmm. comes in there right. and your person yeah. to back you up and the person that you write yeah. and the person that writes you back all the time. So if you yeah. can, it, you know, you are helping the grandmothers. You are helping the mothers and the fathers. And I had a question. Oh, I can't remember. But, oh, yeah, this is my question, Brother Dominic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I can hear, I can hear my brother's voice. I can hear that it touched him. I know that it touched him. And um, what I wanted to ask is a lot of young people, and I know something came out a couple of years ago about uh, taking that thing off of job description where Ashley, if he's been incarcerated or something like that. But how do, and I know things work differently in different states, but how does a person, when they really do want to change, how do they, if they want to get a job, but then they always get knocked because of the thing on the, you know, the thing on the application, have you been incarcerated or have you been in jail or whatever? And you want to get a job, you want to do something right. And I, I think we kind of touched on that last week with, with some of the things that need to be changed. And I know in different states, like I said, but I heard that mostly from Judge Matthews, because he was not supposed to be a judge considering his background, but he ended up being a judge. And, uh, you know, and things are changing. So what have you seen or what do you know about can help young men and women that try to get a job after they've been incarcerated? Um, I know down here they got the same thing. They have better called what they call ban the box. And ban the box? So, yeah, they got something down here they passed a few years ago called, it might have been, it might be more than three. It might have been about three, about three, four years, I believe. Maybe about, maybe, maybe five. But they got something where they passed down in Virginia called ban the box, which means there's no box on applications that actually where you can convict mm-hmm. your 
Uh-huh. Now that that's that's not the, that's not a guarantee of a job. That 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 gives you the opportunity to get the, to get the interview. Okay. Uh-huh. So the um, the individual who whoever's applying for the job still has to do their part as far as preparing for the interview, researching the job, um, those type of things. So Virginia is finally finally turning turning, you know, towards um, uh, uh, trying to have a fair playing ground. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of work, but they're trying now. So what we do in prison, we go back in and we do trainings um, with the men and women in prison. Um, we always, uh, you know, let them know that, you know, whatever the institution has as far as if you got service safe, you want to go into food service. Now, service safe is a certification you get that says you know how to go in there and um, far as um, prep food and you do measurements and temperature and all that type. It's a whole list of things that you now that you're trained to do. So when you okay. go into food service and outside, when you go in there, they say, well, oh, you're already trained in service safe. So that's a plus mm-hmm. for that individual. They ain't got to train you. You already know this stuff. So mm-hmm. that, that's, a, that's an avenue. Um, you got to look at also jobs that's out there that's realistic. And I'm speaking mm-hmm. naturally. From a natural standpoint, jobs that's realistic, that's really out there in demand. And mm-hmm. hopefully the institution and for young men who are already out, you know, it's so many factors to look at um, as far as which, what are your employable skills? What are you good at doing? Do you need to go back mm-hmm. to school, get a trade? Um, you know, those, what are you good at? What do you want to do? What's your vision? What's your plan? Sometimes guys, they don't want to get a job at, at McDonald's. I'm like, well, right now, why not go to McDonald's or Burger King? You got some income coming in. The biggest thing is you got some income coming in. You learn everything you can learn while you're there, while you're looking for another job. That's, that that mm-hmm. goes in your resume. Whatever you can learn at McDonald's or fast food restaurant or Amazon warehouse or wherever, that, those, mm-hmm. those are skills you develop that can now go on your resume. Mm-hmm. So um, we go inside the prisons. You know, we always share that with the job that's out there, what you need to do. And not only that, you, you can get the job, but can you keep the job? Because then mm-hmm. you got to have some um, communication skills because your employer might be some out of disgruntled and may say things mm-hmm. that you don't like. So you're going to quit? You know, mm-hmm. now, you, now, now you see the snowball effect. Now the money just cut off, but the bills still come every month. So, you know, part of my stories I shared that with them because I've had incidents where people have said some things and I didn't like it, and I felt mm-hmm. my feelings getting involved. I had to stop and process the whole, 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 whole lot. Don't quit the job. Excuse me, Angie. I have to go. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Excuse me. All right. I, I can please. I wish I can get this later. I wish I can get this whole thing later. You could get a tape or something, but we'll talk to you. All okay. right. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Appreciate Thank y'all. Mhm. Thank, Thank you. you. And from our point of view, by being believers and, and, and intercessors. From our, from what we do is, this is the thing as believers in prayer, prayer, uh, when we pray, we step from the natural to the spiritual. We look at the book of Acts 12. Acts 12 is a beautiful picture, but you see them praying for Peter when Peter was in prison. You yeah, see the people yeah. of God praying for Peter. All of a sudden, you see an angel step up on the scene and release them. Supernatural. All that was supernatural. So when you as a grandmother start praying for your grandson, at that moment, you step from the natural to the spiritual. And now, mm. if you go to the book of Daniel, remember he said that the angel said, at the moment your, your word was released, I came for it. Mm-hmm. So the moment that you release the word of God, the answer is coming. 
Yeah. It's just yeah. it takes us to stand in there and allow mm-hmm. God to get it answered here. So, because God got a job for your grandson, I tell you, especially believers. I always tell believers this: God got a specific place and job and assignment for every child of God. Mm-hmm. I don't care how old a person is or young the person is. God has a specific plan for your grandson where you want him to be at. Mm-hmm. And right now, you're getting him there. Your prayers are working. Mm-hmm. It may not seem like it. I'm giving you another example. When I was in prison, I was, God had me to, to train this guy. This guy was in heavy, he was in heavy depression. Spirit for your brother, but he made a mm-hmm. mistake. He got, he got into some deception and started getting high mm-hmm. in prison. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about heavy depression. His countenance failed, his appearance failed, hygiene failed. He slept all day, you know. And um, mm-hmm. this is the only time God told me to go down there and get some matter for Bible study. Other than mm-hmm. that, is the only person to want, to want it. He mm-hmm. said, go down there and get him. I go down and knock on the cell door. Come on, we got Bible study. He drag on down the hallway. We go in my cell. We sit down and Bible study. So one Saturday morning, I'm coming back from, 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 the, from the child hall. I look over. I'm like, look at look at him. He still ain't changed. Mm-hmm. And the Lord mm-hmm. said, Don't you don't you look on the outward appearance. Because mm-hmm. that's not how God don't operate like that. He operates from the mm-hmm. inside out. When a when a when a, a, a seed is planted, it don't grow up first, it goes down first to the ground. The pot you can't see. Get rooted. That's you, right. You can't see the roots. That's so at right. that point I gotta believe and have confidence in my prayers. And let God handle his business. That's right. Like he said, my word will never turn into me void. That's right. It will accomplish what I said to do. So I had to learn that process and understand, well, God is faithful and trustworthy. I'm praying for this brother. Mm-hmm. Now, it took mm-hmm. almost 10 years for me to see fruit from him. When I went wow. back to the prison, he was that. No, he wrote me. He said, hey, he said, brother John, me, this brother Philip. I was like, mm-hmm. what? So when I read his letter, he said, yeah, man, I'm doing good, man. I'm, doing, I'm leading Bible study every Saturday up here at Lunenburg Prison. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, my is good. Look at God. So, Look yes, God. my grandmothers, listen, I'm a product of prayer. Yes. I'm a product of prayer. Your grandson is a product of your prayers. Mm-hmm. Just see him from God's perspective. Yes. Stay in there. God got him. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Tramp a child in the way yeah, she goes. Scripture. I, I wanted to say, I hear Miss Cassie. I remember her name now, and I love you. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Bella. Good morning. Good morning. This is Nene. The, the, the Good morning. Um, are are you in the city? Are you in Philadelphia? No, ma'am. I'm, I'm, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. So the lady that asked, um, like, how, how about the job for her grandson? Yes. Is she in Philadelphia? Yeah, I was asking about um, uh, how do they get old. Yeah, I'm in Philadelphia. Okay, so because cause I know cause from my husband, he was incarcerated and he had a background. Mm-hmm. I went to council person. And um, I went to my city person because up here here, uh, on on a lot of applications, they still have that questionnaire, and it still hinders a lot of people from getting a job because once they Uh run that background, it's like it's over. They don't even call you anymore. 
So yeah. um, what I did for my husband was because we knew that was going to come up, you go mm-hmm. see a city council and, and um, sometimes they make you work like the, the polls, the voting polls, just so they can get oh, familiar oh. with who you are and, and to mm-hmm. get some, some kind of work, work ethic, you know, that they can put on your, a resume for you. And um, my husband did that. Um, he worked like two elections, and and they got mm-hmm. him a job at, at the hospital. Wow! Amen. Wow. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. So to your council person or, or your community leader, or um, uh-huh. and that, and getting to, that's how the young guys out here now get into parking authority too. I worked at parking authority for four that's years, okay. and you have to have a sponsor to get in parking authority. So I know um, Dwight Evans. Um, um, Kenyatta, all them that that, okay. that that are on the board, you know, for the city, mm-hmm. you go there and, and they give you referrals and, and you know, it's like saving for a face, very political, but they get you where you need to be and, and get you a job mm-hmm. and then they sponsor you while you're in the job. Oh, okay. Amen. Okay. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. Good information. Go, Nene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if there's something out there to get, I'm going to get it. That's <laughs> right. Okay. And, and one more that's thing. Brown Shot Right on Parkside Avenue. Yeah. Um, this is the uh-huh. Brown has a program for, for a young men that's getting out of prison or, or they uh-huh. have, you know, been in trouble. They put you through a program at Temple, Um, you know, to, they just train you. They give you a transplant wow. for you to get to the program at Temple, and then once you finish that program at Temple, they give you're guaranteed a job at one of Brown Shot Rights. That's that's wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you find you did get that from Temple or the Shop Rights? That information well, or well, that from the well, well, right now it's a pandemic, so they hiring anybody in Shop Right and in Lowe's right there on Parkside Avenue. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they hired okay. anybody, but Mr. Brown has that program. He's one of um, the ones, because uh, Parkside has something every year, and he come out yeah. and speak on that all the time. Um, but that's that's one way through Mr. Brown. But, you know, if he want a city job, or, you know, I mean, a lot of people want a, a, a good-paying job because if the money ain't there, you're going to be back on the street because you ain't making mm-hmm. what you want to make. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like you know, you get with one of these city, and, and we can vote. So they 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 trying to get back right. in. They so yeah, they'll they do a favor. They'll, they'll help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, and that was really good, brother Jamie, what you said about how uh, we, right now is such a, a a opening for so many. We can be praying in those that need to be in in places of authority in our in our city and in our uh nation. Huh? So that uh, that yeah. was on point too, very on point. Yes, now ma'am. is the time. I tell you this is this is good. This is good. But uh excuse me. Can I uh say something regarding what Nene said about the city of Philadelphia city jobs. There are certain departments that hire people that have huh? been incarcerated such as sanitation, all you do is fill out the application, right? Now, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of everything that they do with sanitation. So like she said, Mm -hmm. if you go to your your, your city council person or, you know, uh, a committee person and, you know, you ask them to help you because you want to get into the city, you know, or sanitation, 
It, it may sound dirty, but they make good, good money. And they're hiring. So many people are retiring, you know, or, or whatever. And you don't have to have no skill to throw no trash. You know what I'm right. saying? Just right. filling out that application. And they'll guide you through it, you know, and help you and even have your application pushed because they need sanitation workers. You understand? And we're talking good money. They're starting out with like $15 an hour. You know, so mm-hmm. that's good money. And they always working overtime. And you know, so that's benefit. the place to start You know, just put in applications in all those different areas. But like I say, go, like Nene said, go to your, your council leader or whoever and have them, you know, you, you let them know what it is that you would like to do. And they'll help, you know, they'll, they'll guide your footsteps. Because like she said, they're trying to get back in, so they want your vote. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's anybody, anybody. Mm-hmm. You want to get them brothers off the street, you know, off the street. You don't want them to keep right. going back to jail. I'm right. tired of right. building right. jails and putting our people in them. That's right. And we got to help them. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Y'all you doing know just I'm that. giving me the cry, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And if you have anybody that's in prison, for anybody on the line that has somebody that's in prison and they're trying to fight, you know, their case, trying to get out, trying to get another chance, there's a guy on Facebook. His name is uh, Dewan Packy Williams, and and um, he 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 also um, runs like a program to help young young men. It, it helps people that's in prison that've been in prison for years. And help them, you know, to try to get their paperwork in order to get another chance. He's on Facebook, and um, he 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 has a lot of programs in the city too. Okay. Um, I don't have a pen right now, but if Jackie could pass us that information, I would really appreciate it. Mhm. Good stuff. Mhm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Bella. Mm-hmm. What information did you did you want me to pass you? Uh, the one that she just said about somebody that can help out somebody that's been in prison for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll send it to Ebony. Ebony, you can send it to um to oh, Okay. Bella. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. When can we look forward to the book? This year? Next year? <laughs> Jack, I'm a good jacket for that one. I told her. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I'm going to say I'm working on it. Y'all, y'all pray for me. Just pray for me. All right. We certainly will. We need pray for me. <laughs> can I, can I add something about, about work? You know, I learned something, too, that a, a man's self-worth is tied to work. Yeah, and if a man yeah, don't have yeah. a job, he feels less than a man. Yeah, I, I noticed. I noticed that I just because another sister told me this. She said, "Man, she noticed when her husband came from prison, you know, he was he, he, he didn't have income. So the daughter asked him one day, said, Dad, can I get a pair of sneakers?' And she says, you know, the, the um, wife said she looked at him and he had his look on his face like, man, you know. And she he said all he could do was like, well, your mom got it. She gonna um, buy the shoes for you. And she said she realized at that mm-hmm. moment she said, man, a man's self worth is tied to him having something to do for the job. Mm, yep, yeah, yep. yeah, I remember I said when I, my son lost his job and, uh, you know, he was like, you don't know what it's like. It's, you know, it brings on a depression, I, I, this trauma. I said, I a couple of jobs. I'm like, but you know what? L- later on I realized, but I wasn't 
you know, the kid, the, I wasn't carrying the back of my family when I lost yeah. the job. It wasn't no thing, you know. So, yes, that is very true. That's mm-hmm. very true. I experienced that with my husband. I did experience that mm-hmm. with my husband. When my husband came home and, and he didn't have a job and, you know, everything was looking blurry, you know, nobody was calling him. And, and, and you know, I, I said, well, let me, you know, just, I said, just relax, just relax. And he said, being a man, you can't relax. You're supposed to be able to provide right. for your family. Yep. Right. I'm in a state of depression right now. Like, I need a job. Mm-hmm. And I yep. said, you know what? Let me get out here and do some stuff. And I went to the city council. I, I went. I said, I vote, and I need y'all help. Yeah. Exactly. I know that's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's right. This is, uh, this is EJ. When God created Adam, mm-hmm. the first thing mm-hmm. he gave him was a job. A job. Yeah, that's yes, good. he did. That's right. In the beginning, he did. Keep it. It's a good piece, EJ. Good word. That's right. Even as a matter of fact, you're right, bro. He gave him a job before he gave him a wife. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He gave him something to do. Then he brought the woman to us so it ain't good for you to be alone. That's what she gave him. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Hey, look, and he had a house because the garden was his house. Wow. Hey. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I shared with Jackie yesterday. I shared with Jackie yesterday the biblical pattern yields biblical power. That we mm-hmm. sometimes we deviate from the pattern that God has already set or the design that He set. And we, we do mm-hmm. things our way. Now, granted, it don't always happen that way, but God, you know, He works with us. But the design mm-hmm. is that particular way, right? Because I said, you know, for me, the Lord placed on my heart that, you know, he, he, he didn't want my wife to work. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted somebody to be home with the children, to train the children up. And you know, and I, I, yeah, my mm-hmm. responsibility was to seek him for, you know, to be able to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. That was for me. Now, I don't tell everybody to do that. I said, that was for me. But mm-hmm. even in the New Testament, it's the same way. Yeah. The virtuous woman, she made money, but she made right, money. Proverbs 31, Absolutely. 20. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. The man is the provider and the woman is the nurturer. And okay, that's what makes, yeah, Mom. makes it okay. complete. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got my notes. I did hear Brother Priest this one time that when they were saying that, you know, the man is the provider, they said that the man really got to realize that God is the provider. He's the sustainer of yeah. all that, but he got to go to God. Yeah. And God will right. provide and, and, and the way it's supposed to flow, or, the, you know, the way it should ideally flow. But you got to realize because sometimes when they get so frustrated about them not being the provider, you got to realize God, is, that's what he said. Nah, it sounds good to me. <laughs> God is a good thing. So when God yeah. is a provider, you know you, can, you cannot lack. But when you look into yourself to be the one, you know, that provides them, sometimes, you know, you got to realize you got to go to the, to the patera. How do you say the patera? God is that patron, which you get paternity, word, wherever the word paternity comes from. That's where father yeah. comes from. He's the one that's going to take care of you. So all, yeah. you know. Patriarch. He's a patriarch. Mm-hmm. Talk about right. it. Right. And I've seen, I seen so many, um, I've seen so many women miss that. Um, mm-hmm. when, a, when a man 
doesn't have a job, she'll beat them down and look down on them. Yeah, take them down, yeah. Make it even worse than what it was, not realizing Mm -hmm. that, yes, God created him to provide, but he created her to help in areas Mm -hmm. where he needs help. That's why he said, I'll create for you a suitable helper, somebody that suits me. And when a man has a woman and he loves and he has affections toward her, he'll do anything to make sure that he's good. It's like you have the power. A lot of times just used for the wrong reason. Yes. But that power fuels a man to want to go out and do more. Exactly. So that he can be back on top. So that you can go back mm-hmm. to doing whatever you were doing. But he said it's not good that men be alone, which means that at times we need help. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you know that the woman, you know, is a, she's similar to the Spirit of God as far as help? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why we created them, to be the he, the Spirit of God is a description in Romans where it says he helps us in our weaknesses. And that word help that means that he comes alongside of us to, to take hold of us against our inability to get results, right? right. And, I, and somebody, somebody was ministering on that, and it was like, well, a woman is a helper. The Spirit of God is a helper. The wife comes alongside you to help you. And like your brother just said, in the areas you need help in. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about that. I said, man, she... Man, we, I'm tripping. Man, no, number one, I need to rely on the Spirit of God all the time. He is the helper. That's what he does. But my my wife is a helper, too. God gave me her to help me. That's right. I believe that. You better say it. Amen. And I'm supposed, Amen. And I'm supposed to submit, supposed to, submit to that help. Yes. I believe that. Yes. Submission goes both ways. Whoever t- first submit to me, I got to submit to her and Norton, too. That's right. I tell, I tell people, I tell people that a lot. I believe that, I believe that before God made men and women, and we can talk about it, I believe that before God made male and female, that the same thing, remember, on earth as it is in heaven. He said, let us make man, you know, in our image. I believe that God image. This is what I believe now, based on the scriptures, I believe that God made Satan out of his own self. Now, if you look at the parallel between Satan and the relationship between Satan and God and the relationship between man and woman, there are a lot of parallels there because Mm -hmm. it didn't work for him in heaven. And so he came, and the first person he tried to influence to be like him was a woman. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm going to leave that right to you. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to It's not for anybody to take offense. Anybody that anybody that moves you in the line. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. But I want you to look at the parallel. Just do it in your study. Look at the parallel between right. the thing that did and tried in heaven with God and the relationship between him and God. And it's also very comparable to how God still treats him. 
Because the truth of the matter is, God is all powerful. He could wipe right. Satan out at any time if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. But the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is, he loves him. Mm-hmm. He loves him. Satan only still exists because God loves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look, I, I love y'all. Mm-hmm. I got to go to. I'm about to go to work. Hello. Well, that's good gotta, word. Good thank word, you, brother, Dominic. But I appreciate Thank y'all. Love you. y'all. Yeah, man. We appreciate you, bro. We appreciate you. Love you, bro. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you so much, Jesse, mm-hmm. for um, agreeing to be a part of the our special guest Saturday. I, you know, mm-hmm. I learned, I learned something today as well. And I just again want to just thank you for your transparency and your willingness to share, to share. So yes. I really appreciate that. Um, yes, we do. All right, family. This was a great day. Yeah. I'm have a great day. Awesome. Great day. Mm-hmm. All right, before you go to work, Jamie, could you please close our father's prayer? Did he hang up? <laughs> I think he went to work. He did. <laughs> he got work to do. He got yeah, to break that down. Yeah, he ain't playing. All right. So could mm-hmm. I, could, uh, I'm going to ask Rob, will you please close up out of prayer? All right. I'm, uh, I'm actually driving. That's okay. I'm still good. I can see. I can talk. I can pray. So we all good. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you once again, thank you, Lord. Lord God, once again for an awesome session in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. God, yes, that we can sit back and learn from all angles, Lord God. We've had so many different teachings, and we have so many different leaders and so many different people to give us wisdom and guidance. But every now and then, we need something that, that, that we just don't know about, Lord God. We thank you for Brother Jarmine's mm-hmm. spirit, Lord God. First of all, we thank you for pulling mm-hmm. him out of the hell, Lord God, and allowing him to be back in society, Lord God, and back in being society, and being a man of God, Lord God, for so many stories like him don't end up that way. So many people do not end up in this situation, Lord God, but you found it not robbery to pull him out and give him a fresh start, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, for even his honesty, because when Jackie thought he didn't do it, and she talked to him, he could have said he didn't do it, but he stood up. One of his first assignments was to stand up and be accountable for what he did. And we thank you for that, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that even the brother that we were talking to, that that dealing with that situation with finding a job, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus to lead him down the right path so that he can find the job. He said, a man, don't work, don't eat. So let him work and let him eat in the name of Jesus. Find him the right resources, the right people, the right congressmen, whatever it is, Lord God. Lead him to that, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for being able to just sit here and be on the side. Oh, what a wonderful line, Lord God, for you. We pretty much cover everything, but we could do none of this without you. So thank you, Lord God, for your wisdom, your guidance, and thank you for just keep sending us people after people, person after person, help after help, wisdom after wisdom, scripture after scripture, guidance after guidance. We thank you for these mothers, these grandmothers, these aunts, these sisters, these brothers, these fathers, everyone on this line, complete this line. No one is better than anyone else because we all bow down to you. So we thank you right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We ask Lord God to bless these people for their weekend, Lord God, as they start their weekend, to and fro work, whatever the situation is. We ask them to have a wonderful day, a wonderful time. We love you, we honor, we worship, adore you because you're 
our God, and we're selfish about it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Amen. Now, remember, you I'm sorry, go on. You were saying something? I said, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> amen, amen. I just want I'm to looking forward you. for tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. 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 I hope you don't come with that word you talk about today, though, about the uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't get don't get offended. Don't get offended. Talk to me first, and then decide how you feel. <laughs> That's right, EJ. That's right. Mm-hmm. EJ, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, want to say, yeah, also want to say, yeah, a, shout out, a shout out to Andrew. A shout out to Andrew and and his show tomorrow. Andrew, I'm asking the Lord right now in the name of Jesus to bless you, cover you, yes, and, uh, give him the spirit so you don't forget any of your lines or any of your verses. Lord, yes, God, sir. give you the spirit of truth, light, guide you, and direct you. And I'm asking the Lord to allow that to spring for, springboard into something else, bigger and better, more shows, more everything, more finances. I'm asking the Lord, Father, you never miss another day of rent. Lord, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. 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 He gonna tear that house down tomorrow. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody, this is EJ. Do me a favor. If you're coming on the line tomorrow, do me a favor. Today, get yourself a ball. Tennis ball, racquetball, jack ball. I don't care. Get me a ball. Get a ball that'll fit into your hand and bring it on the line tomorrow when you come. Oh, amen. Oh, then we don't have a ball. Okay, brother EJ. All right, brother. Yes, yes. All right, family. Right, have a beautiful and blessed Saturday. Um, and please invite somebody to the call. Listen to the word. I have a question. Uh, is the call tomorrow the same time? Is it eight o'clock? Like every seven day. Yeah, seven forty-five every day. Yeah, seven forty-five. But yeah, eight. It starts on eight. Oh, I'll, I'll talk to um, I'll talk to EJ about this. But uh, all right, family. As always, on the count of three, let's go. One, two, three. I love you. I love you. I love you. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. You too. Bye. 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 Bye.